This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. So welcome back to the Eat Like Ruby podcast. I am so excited for this episode today because it's the first guest episode. So I don't even know if you know this, Denver, but you are the first guest. Um, I think I said to you in the email, it was such a no-brainer to me for you to be the first guest because I feel like everybody follows me and is going to listen to this for nutrition and training advice and you are the one person that I follow and listen to for nutrition and training advice. So um, if you haven't worked it out yet, it is Denver. Mm-hmm. I I think I know how to pronounce it. Is it Denver Stain? That's right. Yeah. Yes. I think I've heard you say it on you other podcasts because I think I used to say Denver Stein for years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone says Stein. I'm pretty used to Stein. I get it all the time, but yeah. No, Denver all Stein. good. So today's guest is Denver Stein, who, if you guys don't know, is my own online nutrition coach has been my coach for, I think it's coming up to three years, which is awesome. I am going to let you tell everybody who you are, what you do. I think it'd be really cool to tell everybody, obviously, who you are, what you do, how long you've done it and like where you're at now, like what you do in business now. Yeah, sure. So what I do now is I'm an online-based fitness coach. So I tend to tell people for the most part. Um, I started off as a personal trainer in the gym And initially when I started as a personal trainer, I wanted to separate myself pretty quickly from everybody else. I felt like being a personal trainer wasn't really respected as it should be. So I went ahead and studied some nutrition things. I studied strength and conditioning as well. And I became more of a strength and nutrition coach rather than a personal trainer. Um, That was back in 2010. So I started in the gym working with clients. Then I got into bodybuilding, got into competing And uh, progressively over time, I kind of shifted or transitioned from face-to-face in the gym, constantly working crazy hours to then adding in online to that and doing both at the same time for quite a long time. And then I went to online only, which is where I'm at now uh, with my coaching service. So everything I do now is online. Uh, What I love about that is I can work with more people all around the world, obviously. Uh, But also I have a bit more flexibility and freedom with my schedule, with my time across the day. So uh, that's kind of how I got started with it. And uh, yeah, like in regards to how I got into the online part of coaching, which is super, super common now and super popular, uh, I started that in 2012. So quite a long time ago now, uh, before it was popular, before many people were doing it. And it just so happened that I had somebody from quite far away say, hey, like, can you coach me? Can you help me out? And I didn't really know how to do that but I was like you know I can write you a training program I can write you a diet things like that and maybe just check in with me like every six weeks or something like that that's kind of how it started so shout out to that person in 2012 (laughs) Uh, and that's yeah it started there very early days it was kind of like a side gig that I was doing just when I had some free time and I really focused on you know building that up as much as I could uh, over the many years and that's where I'm at right now Love it. That is awesome. That is such a good answer because the one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on and probably the main reason I reached out to you to be my coach in the first place, like you are quite ahead of the game, I think anyway, like a lot of people are doing what you did, like what you just said, are doing that now, like trying to come out of the gym and go online and you, like you said, 2012. So it's literally like 10 years that you started, 10 years ago that you started online coaching, which is crazy because so many people, like we said, it's so busy now and people are getting into it now, you're like an OG, like, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And that, that really was why I reached out to you to be my coach in the first place, because I was going through all of that at that time as well. And it was equal parts, like, A, I need someone to help me with my nutrition and training. Otherwise, I'm going to be so focused on everyone else that I'm going to go to shit. And B, here's a person that's doing exactly what I want to be doing. Let's see how he does it. (laughs) Um, But I feel like then pretty quickly, I was just like, I couldn't even imagine not having Denver as a coach. I think I actually did like four weeks or five weeks of not coaching at one point. And I was like, Denver, are you booked up? Can I please come back? Um, But yeah, so I think that that is really awesome. First thing I wanted to ask, because I feel like we'll have sort of equal parts like clients and people that want to learn in that sense, listening to this, but then also coaches as well. So I feel like um, everyone could sort of gain something from this combo. But the first thing I wanted to ask like, is if somebody comes to you and they're a complete beginner in terms of like flexible dieting, tracking macros, all of that stuff, 
how do you get them started? I feel like so many people are just like, here's your macros, off you go. And I think we forget that there could literally be people out there that's just like, what is a macro? So I would love to know if someone just completely reached out. I've never tracked my nutrition. I don't even know what you're talking about, how you would navigate that. Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, I've changed my approach over many years. I would say that when I first started doing flexible dieting, because, you know, you kind of brought that up, uh, people were coming to me because they wanted to eat Nutella, right? Which is something that you like to eat yourself. And I used to be the Nutella guy. Now you're the Nutella queen, right? Um, but people would come to me for that. They wanted to learn how they could enjoy fun foods and stuff like that. Uh, but it's very important to understand, you know, the basic, basic fundamentals of nutrition or the principles of nutrition uh, to be able to enjoy flexibility. But at the same time, people are coming to you for a specific outcome. Uh, so yeah, cool. You can eat Nutella or whatever, but if you're not doing things correctly or you're not seeing the physical changes that you want to achieve, then you might not believe that it actually works. Right. So I feel like the best approach is to have a very simple structure, uh, structure and clarity are the two things that are super important when it comes to, you know, I guess creating uh, consistency and getting people to see some progress, uh, you know, in the short term and in the long term as well. Uh, so initially what I do is I tend to give people a meal plan based on foods that they prefer to eat already. And the first focus is really just about weighing and measuring their food and being consistent with that. Uh, so I would write a meal plan for every single client, whether they feel like they're super experienced with flexible dieting or tracking their macros or not. Uh, and I would give them foods that I feel would be best to help them to perform well, uh, good for their health, good for digestion, things like that, foods that they like already. And then we would slowly phase out to a more flexible approach. So, you know, it's giving someone just macros and saying, go ahead and do whatever you want to is uh, not the best approach whatsoever. Uh, as you know, that's a very, it's very much a learning process. There's a big learning curve with tracking your food, learning how to use apps that track your food, incorrect nutrient data, things like that. So initially it's kind of like, here's a plan that definitely works. You can follow it. It can be your training wheels. And then from that training wheels uh, point, you can then start to move into a bit more flexibility, include foods that you like and learn along the way. Uh, to add to that, uh, over the years, I found that some people would get very overwhelmed with nutrition in general. I would give them too much information too quickly and they wouldn't really understand half the things or they wouldn't even read half the things. So, you know, I've learned to drip feed uh, information, you know, maybe suggest to listen to one of my podcasts on a certain topic or listen to or watch one of my videos on, you know, a certain topic and progressively help them to build habits and improve over time. Yes, I love everything you just said. That is awesome. Um, I think it's so spot on with the meal plan because I think meal plans got such a bad rap at one point there. People were just like, they don't teach anything. You know, it's, it's, um, what's that analogy people use? Like teach a man to uh, fish. fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? The fish one. Yes. Yeah. When people are like teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever. Give him a fish and he'll eat for a day or whatever. But I think exactly like you said, people, were overwhelmed and confused and not getting anywhere. And I think the meal plan, like the, when you describe it as like the training wheels, I think that's a perfect analogy. And especially like to add to that, and I'm sure you would agree. I think a lot of people say like, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to teach you everything. We're going to focus on education and the results will come. And in theory, that's awesome. And in a perfect world, that would probably happen. But I think we forget that we have like a real human being on the other end of the call or on the other end of the email that has probably tried a million things, feels quite shitty, feels quite down and out and is wanting a result sooner rather than later. And if we are like, we're going to spend ages teaching you this and you'll eventually get a result, I think we just lose the motivation, we lose the buy-in, we lose so many things. So I think like you, I think you mentioned at one point, like get some clarity and structure and get some initial results and then teach from there. Is that something that you kind of aim for with people? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the approach that I go for. I mean, I've tried many different things over many years now with coaching. Um, you know, I see a lot of online coaches these days doing uh, various different coaching styles, whether it's group coaching online or anything like that. And I've done all of that over, the, over many years in the past. Um, but initially, I used to give people, you know, fun foods in their meal plans straight away so they could enjoy that. And then I had somebody one day say to me, hey, like, why are you encouraging me to eat these bad foods, you know, quote unquote, bad foods? Like, you know, are you even qualified or do you even know what you're doing type thing and I was like oh I guess 
Some people want to come to me to improve their health, not just to, you know, enjoy fun foods. So I started to lean towards more like eating towards good health instead of uh, flexible dieting. And flexible dieting is just one component of that, you know, entire nutritional protocol. So yeah, like having a set meal plan with foods that, you know, obviously, like I said before, digest well, people already eat in um, general and setting up some good habits is key. You want to see results as fast as you can. Um, you know, I could go on a tangent on like <laughs> seeing results as fast as you can because some people will just put you on keto diet straight up to see some kind of result really fast and, you know, fluid weight, food weight, all that kind of stuff, which is, I personally think is not the best approach, but yeah, pretty much even with training as well, training and nutrition, just having structure, having something to follow straight away and being consistent with that or building consistency with that over time is number one. Then it's like, okay, let's make adjustments to this. And as you know, like with my check-in forms, I've got a question like, is there anything you want to change on your meal plan? Because you've got the option of just following the meal plan. Or you have the option of, if you have the time, you have the option of learning how to track your food and swap things up, stuff like that. So uh, I I try to cater to everybody and my training and my nutrition is kind of presented in a way that whether you're advanced or you're a beginner, you're going to understand it. And there's parts of the plan that you might not even need to know anything about it. So you don't even look at it. Uh, But if you're more advanced, then you do actually realize that that's listed as well. Uh, But yeah, keeping it very simple and basic uh, for the, for gen pop, especially, I think that's the best approach. Yeah, for sure. And I think it helps you get like a buy-in and get trust with that person. If you can give them a plan that's actually going to work for them and get them a result, then you can start to bring in other things like, okay, now we're going to try flexible dining or now we're going to try this. And they've got that trust in you because they're like, well, he told me to do this and it worked. So now he's telling me to do this. And they're a little bit more open-minded. I think sometimes like you've probably seen this as well, especially with gen pop, like if they come to you, they can be quite like emotional, quite distressed, quite over it. And if you drag out that process a lot longer, they're eventually probably just going to go on to the next thing because they're like, I'm trying to get somewhere and I still feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Whereas if you've like gotten that initial thing, they can relax a little bit and then you can be like, okay, cool, let's actually start mixing it up from there. I think that's Definitely. Cool. And to add to that, I think uh, the general, um, you know, I guess extending the, the knowledge to or the awareness to general population that there are certain rates of weight loss that we aim to achieve and not we don't want to lose 10 kilos, you know, in a week or two. And things have to be progressive because sometimes I get clients who are nailing it. Everything's on point and I'm happy. And they're like, oh, I'm really sad. The results are slow. And I'm just like, what? Like, you don't understand. Like, this is perfect. And if you repeat this for the next three to four weeks or 12 weeks, we're going to see some incredible results, right? So uh, communicating with your clients is important. And then them obviously understanding, you know, the proper rates of progress along the way is super important too. Uh, you know, I had a client just start sign up a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. She's a coach as well. And she's very, very, um, she's doing very well in her business and stuff. But with her initial check-in form, her sleep was bad. Her hydration was bad. Her stress was high. All these, you know, markers of, um, of health were poor, were really bad. And I was like, I'm not adjusting your diet. We need to focus on these things before we start to look at adjusting your macros or anything. Like, I don't care that the scale went up. Let's focus on sleep and hydration, you know, those types of things as well. Uh, There's a lot that goes into it, um, not just, you know, macros. Yeah, macros and scale weight. (laughs) If you start a new client with flexible dieting, with a meal plan, whatever it is, and the results actually aren't happening, like if you're looking at everything, not just scale weight, but if we're looking at scale weight, measurements, pictures, all of that, they are claiming they've been consistent. Like, how do you navigate that situation to work out, is it actually an adherence consistency thing? Do we actually need to change the protocols? Like, what would you do if you're getting constant feedback from someone and things aren't moving the way you want? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, people lie all the time, all the <laughs> yeah, time, so all the time. that's what I mean. Like, how do you... How do you work out is this person lying or yeah. not even, I feel like when we say lying, it sounds kind of aggressive, but even just <laughs> like, we know what we mean, but even Ruby, just- they lie, they lie, they straight <laughs> up lie. I have to say, like I had a client one time, Tommy, she was doing everything perfectly every single week and I would do her measurements and she would literally cry in this, uh, you know, room that we were doing the measurements in at the gym. And then a few months later, she's like, yeah, actually I wasn't following anything. 
I'm like, you were literally <laughs> crying when we were doing your measurements and you were, you know, screwing around on the weekends, drinking alcohol and doing all these things you weren't telling me. So people lie all the time. Oh my uh, God. Okay. So like what I'd like to do, uh, I like to have various indicators of progress. Uh, so I like to look at obviously the scale weight, the measurements, girth measurements, particularly the waist measurement. I think that's the most important. And then I like to look at nutritional consistency, um, visual changes as well. And then just general feedback on performance and stuff like that. And in most cases, there's always room to improve one of those things mm-hmm. with almost everybody week to week. So if progress is slow or things aren't happening, we'll look at which one is the, you know, is not being adhered to uh, the most. And we'll try to improve that initially. If everything seems to be on point and there's no changes being coming across at all, then I'll start to discuss things like stress with them, things like their sleeping habits. I might give them a sleep questionnaire to complete uh, I might just try to learn a little bit more about this person and then I'll look at how they're tracking their food as well. Like ideally, if someone's in this situation, they're not flexible dieting, they're following a meal plan. Yeah. Whether they make the meal plan on my fitness pal themselves or they follow the one I give them, it's irrelevant. It's just let's just eat the same foods for, you know, four to five days, if not longer, and see how your body responds. Let's ensure that you're getting good hydration, good sleep, things like that, and then go from there. So that's kind of how I would do it. Um it's not too common that I deal with this problem because yeah. it's very easy. I love to be a problem solver and it's very easy to figure out exactly what's going wrong. Uh, but there are some clients, I've definitely dealt with some clients in the past and I still do where they just don't seem to change. Nothing seems to change. And, you know, I increase their food and sometimes they lose weight. And then, you know, I reduce their food and they don't lose weight and things aren't going the way they're supposed to. And it comes down to asking the right questions because, you know, in that instance, for example, uh, this individual was like, hey, you know what? I have been snacking and I haven't been thinking about it and it's just been happening. And, you know, when I'm 100%, I see the changes and then I'm overwhelmed from everything else in life and then I snack. Uh, so, yeah, like you, we have to figure out, identify what's holding them back and sometimes push harder and sometimes pull back. Like, you know, sometimes I might say to someone, I told a client this morning, like, let's do a diet break right now. And she's just had a few social events pr- like prior to Christmas already and she wants to go low calories now because she's already done that. I'm like, no, let's just focus on having a good time, enjoying your time with your family. And first week of Jan, you can focus on that. So, you know, the human element is super important. Yeah, We think about macros and numbers and, you know, metrics and stuff, but the human factor is the part that uh, behavior, you know, and lifestyle is the biggest part. That's the foundation of decision-making. So that's super important to kind of get on top of. That actually ties in so perfectly with the next question. Yeah. So if a client does have a fat loss goal and it's just not happening, like week after week, the adherence isn't there, the consistency is not there, obviously the progress isn't there. Do like, what is the conversation you have with that person in regards to obviously the habits and actions have to change to achieve the goal? Or do we look at changing the goal? Like, do you have that sort of a conversation with a person? Yeah. So when someone signs up with me, I've got a SMART goals questionnaire that they complete. And it's very specific questions with specific answers. So if someone isn't making the progress that they want or we're not really seeing the adherence that I expect, I'll just send them through that SMART goals questionnaire. I'll forward it back to them and be like, like, this is what you wrote. Their own answers back to them. Their own answers. Their own answers back to them. (laughs) It's like, this is what you wrote to me on this date. Uh, Is this still important to you? You know what I mean? And uh, so that's the first step. Uh, you know, sometimes people do change their goals. And I love to challenge people on that because they, cha- they sometimes people change their goals because they just, they're not interested. And that's totally fine. But sometimes they change their goals because it's too hard. Yeah. And I don't think that's good. Like if you have this specific goal that you came to me for and you've paid X amount of money for, you're paying for an outcome. And if we're not achieving the outcome, I'm not doing my job and you're not going to be happy either. So quitting is not something I like to see ever. Uh, so I do challenge people when they tend to want to change their goals and be like, oh, you know, I think I want to stop bulking. I want to start cutting now, you know, or vice versa. I'm just like, is it just too hard right now? Is that why, you know, but yeah, going back to your question, it's really just the smart goals form, uh, really helps to remind them what their goals are. Uh, in addition, I like to create an emotional connection to that outcome as well. And a little bit of like visualization of, you know, how will it look like, think about how you will look, think about how you feel when you achieve this goal or, you know, when you're doing this thing easier or whatever it might be, whatever their personal goals are. And it's just a reminder of like, you know, uh, there's room to improve and we're not there yet. And I think for myself, uh, with my personal success in bodybuilding and powerlifting, it reminds people that, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And, you know, it gives them a little bit more uh, 
I don't know, like, I guess reassurance that the protocols work if you do the work. Yeah. And, yeah, so I do try to get into, uh, you know, the mindset side of things with clients and maybe set a short-term goal, like, hey, let's just for the next three weeks achieve these three things with these two things and then try to build on that over time. Uh, yeah. So some people, honestly, some people have these huge goals and they don't realize what it takes to achieve them. And uh, because of Instagram and the amount of people that we have access to, right, on Instagram who look phenomenal or do great things, it's perceived like it's an easy outcome and it's really not. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get into that. <laughs> so the one thing I want to talk to as well, because... I feel like majority of my followers and listeners are female. Um, And obviously we see so many females wanting the goals of being lean, toned, good legs, building a booty, like all of those really common things, but spinning their wheels in some way and not really achieving it. So I'd love to just know like what, first of all, like what do you see as the biggest reason people don't achieve these things. I feel like I know where you're going to go with this, but I would love to know. I could go so many ways, hey. There's so so many ways I could get into this, but I think that initially if somebody is looking, well, let's just say this general general population, they don't really, they haven't started weight trading yet, right? Or they don't really have a structured plan at all. Uh, I think just having an initial training program suited towards their specific goals can give you some great outcomes. Um, you know, I'm working with someone now who typically just does like F45 style training, uh, one of those facilities, and it's a lot of one rep maxes, three rep maxes, things like that, which, I, which again, I was going to touch on this as well anyways, but now I'm touching on it now. But like that's one of the reasons they spin their wheels is because their training style doesn't really suit their goal. Uh, you know, you need to consider training frequency, intensity, volume, uh, technique, obviously things like that. Uh, and that's not really considered when you're doing group-based training. So individual goals require individual programming, and sometimes just having an improved program that you stick to over time will get you great results. Uh, Yeah, so what I was going to say initially is that people just don't have the basic understanding of correct training uh, protocols and structure. I see a lot of people doing one rep maxes, two rep maxes, or whatever it might be, and being proud of that but not seeing any visual change right? Because they, they want to grow their glutes, but they're doing a one rep max deadlift. Like the total volume of that is, is not great, is it? <laughs> and then the, um, the, the, the amount of fatigue accumulated from that is going to affect their other days of training. Um, and it's not purposeful towards their goals. So that's one of the reasons, like it's one of the things I see is just not the appropriate training for, the, for their own personal goal. Uh, another thing I see is lack of understanding of around nutrition, um, not being open to eating towards you know, uh, performance and growth, basically. Yeah, that's exactly Wanting. what I thought you were going to say. Mm-hmm. But I love the training. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about the training side of things. So that that's awesome. But yeah, I'd love yeah, yeah. Tra- tra- like training, training style um, changes to your training style can be huge. Like when I was a powerlifter, I my physique was just you know kind of average looking, but I was really really strong. And then when I was a bodybuilder, I looked amazing in my eyes, but then not as strong, right? So specificity is the first thing we look at when we write a training program. So uh, yeah, so that definitely had to be mentioned. But yes, not eating enough to support your your training. We need to eat eat enough to support your training and also to recover, right? And also to grow, like to develop your body. So a lot of people want to have a small waist, but also have big glutes. And they're starting with nothing. And, you know, it, it, it can be overwhelming for some people because they're so used to eating 1,200 calories every day, you know, hypothetically, so as they claim. And they're you know, just having this, uh, this mindset that they have to be small all the time. So, yeah, just not being, not being comfortable or not getting comfortable with um, being uncomfortable. That's the biggest thing. It's like you need to learn how to embrace phases of, nutrition phases of training and being okay with being heavier at times and be excited about looking better at times but you have to develop your physique before you can start to shape it right yeah oh that's so spot on I literally just recorded a solo episode before this about exactly that having times where you trade off the way you look to maybe perform a little bit better knowing that you can have times later on to focus on the way you look so that is awesome um on that topic like to elaborate a little bit more why especially like let's look a little bit more at somebody that um, say somebody like me or someone that's 
a bit into training, a bit into nutrition, doesn't have a lot of weight to lose. Why do we not want these people to spend all year in a calorie deficit, constantly eating low calories, pursuing fat loss? Why do we not want this? Well, they're probably too lean already to start with. They're probably, they should be maintaining, right? Uh, we don't want to be in a calorie deficit long-term for anybody uh, because, you know, you want your body to be thriving, not just trying to survive, right? So uh, metabolically, you want to have, you want to support your systems to be working, fun- like functioning optimally. Uh, I tell a lot of guys that a low um, calorie intake will progressively result in low training outcomes and also a low libido. And I try to, pinpoint certain things that might have an emotional reaction like hey like i i want my sex drive to be good so i better eat more you know what i mean yeah. well i want to be stronger so i better eat more so i try to you know correlate certain things like that uh you know improved or increased uh, food intake is going to improve your sleep it's going to improve your recovery it's going to improve your overall health your well-being it's going to reduce your hunger uh, it's going to give you, you know, better life balance and also see growth over time. If you're constantly trying to be in a calorie deficit, it's it's not a growth mindset whatsoever. Uh, but there's also going to be some some issues that come with that, such as your body adapting to that intake and certain systems turning off. Like if you are on a low calorie intake for a long period of time, you will more than likely lose your menstrual cycle, or you know, there'll be some issues there. As a female, as a man, obviously, you know, your libido is going to go down, your sex drive is going to go down. And you might adapt to that and think it's totally fine, totally normal when it's not, right? And um, so your body will downregulate certain things and you, like use more energy to function on a daily basis. Sorry, you, yeah, use less energy to function on a daily basis to then, uh, you know, support whatever amount of food's coming in. So if you eat more food, you're going to have more, you're going to burn more calories, you're going to have more systems turned on and, uh, you know, optimized. And if you're restricted, you're going to have a lot of issues that you just don't realize you have until you eat more. Uh, you know, and the same can be said about sleep. Some people are like, oh, you know, I function totally fine on five hours of sleep per night. I'm like, but have you tried seven or eight consistently? You know, like you will notice a difference because I notice a difference for sure. That's hilarious. Five hours. I'm fine on five hours. You're like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. There's no way. But we adapt. We adapt to these things, right? And you know, with the low calories, we adapt and we're like, oh no, my hunger's okay. My, you know, everything's fine. And then you realize that your step count's actually low. Your performance isn't improving. You haven't seen any changes to your physique over time and you're constantly focused on food Yeah. and fixated on being hungry all the time and just trying to, you know, embrace that when you shouldn't. Yeah. And I feel like it ties in with what we said to the last point with girls that do have those goals of, you know, good legs, building a butt, all of those things. When we go low cal and I, ranted about this in the last episode as well when we are constantly in that state we tend to find ourselves in almost like a shitty loop where we're like kind of in a deficit some days we're kind of training good some days but we're kind of not training good some days because of the deficit but then we're snacking and we come out of the deficit and we're sort of in that shitty cycle where nutrition isn't consistent training's not consistent we don't actually have anything to show for all of this we feel like we're constantly working we're constantly trying harder, starting again, like it's such a shitty cycle. And when we step back, it's like a person in their mind is honestly like I've been dieting, I've been trying super hard for fucking ever and I'm Mm -hmm. actually not getting anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Like I tend to say the only times that I'm dieting is when I'm doing a bodybuilding competition or I'm making weight for a powerlifting competition or I have an event like a photo shoot or, you know, a fitness expo or something like that. Outside of that, I'm just eating uh, you know, a healthy lifestyle and just have my general habits that I've got in place. And I'm eating to support growth and recovery for the most part. Uh, it's, it's not very often that I'm sitting in a deficit. However, what I will say is that many years ago, I was that person who did that. I was always trying to stay as lean as possible. I was trying to adjust my body fat set point, right? Which is more of a theory um, that, you know, you can change your body fat, your body's preferred uh, body fat percentage and kind of adapt to that. So I was trying to do that years and years ago. And yeah, it was not optimal at all for my health. Uh, Looking back at it now, it was not a good approach, but hey, I had abs all the time. So I thought it was cool, Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good approach at all. So, you know, to add to that, I feel like people need to be comfortable with having phases and uh, typically set set like uh, times for those phases. So maybe it's like 12 weeks of, you know, energy restriction and then maybe two or three weeks of eating at maintenance and then reassessing, do I need to lose more weight? Yes or no. If I do, okay, let's go back to that deficit. If not, let's just maintain or let's increase food for a set period of time as well. 
if you can be okay with that, that's that's a good approach. Uh, with that said, sometimes we've got clients who are doing fantastic and maybe we're like 13 weeks into dieting and they're, they're not breaking. Everything is good. So I'm like, uh, I kind of want to you know, put a break on it, but I also I'm happy with their momentum. Yeah, like you, right? <laughs> and I want to just let them keep going. So sometimes I would say uh, the phases are great. And sometimes they're a little bit more just like, reactive instead of proactive it's not set in stone you have to do a diet break at this time or you have to do that type thing same with deloads with training as well yeah yeah i love that i feel like uh, my brain is flooded with questions for you but now they're all gone <laughs> um no but one question i had was because when i said before we don't want a super lean person or an in-shape person to spend a long time in a deficit and you said we don't want anyone to spend in a long time in a deficit how do you navigate that with, say, if you did have a gen pop person that came to you and maybe they did have like 20 kilos to lose, like let's say we got the ball rolling, things are moving or whatever, how do you, obviously we, you do personalize it to the person like you said, but what would be your plan for that person if we had done a really consistent deficit, they'd been in it for a while, do you do those intentional diet breaks and then reassess? Do you have a certain amount of time where you're like, I definitely don't want this de- person in a deficit any longer? Like, how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. If they've got a lot of, like Jen Pop and they've got a lot of body fat to lose, they've got a lot of stored energy and they tend to do just fine for a long period of time. Uh, sometimes it's quite fascinating that someone who's quite overweight can be on such low calories or high expenditure and feel fine, right? And they, I'm just like, are you sure? Like, how is that possible? But as we get leaner, obviously, we feel those negative effects uh, sooner. I like to have checkpoints. Let's say somebody weighs 100 kilos and they want to be 70 kilos. Yeah. I like to see them get to that 90 kilo mark, kind of celebrate that for a moment, and then, you know, try to push a little bit harder. Maybe let's go to, you know, 80 kilos now as your, your checkpoint. Get to that, see how you feel. You might actually like that better than the 70 kilo target. And, uh, and you might feel really good on that as well. And then so we just kind of like have a checkpoint, whether it's the waist measurement or total body weight, and sit there for a bit, reassess, and then push a bit harder. Whether or not we bring in like refeeds or diet breaks or change the goal or anything like that is really individual uh, dependent because, you know, if you are heavily overweight, you tend to not need to have a diet break, but maybe we just make the deficit a bit smaller for a period of time. Or you might be like, hey, let's enjoy some relaxed meals across the week, uh, you know, because things are going quite well and your habits have improved quite a lot as well. So I trust that, you know, you're going to eat mindfully and you know what that means now and, and things will keep progressing. So that's why I love weekly check-ins with clients because we can really assess how they're feeling as well. And, you know, if they're motivated and they want to keep pushing, we keep pushing. If they're very stressed because of work, uh, mental health, things like that, then maybe we'll take a little break for a period of time, uh, whether it's a break in regards to training less, doing less steps, or, you know, expecting less from them week to week in regards to rate of progress, or if it's a break in regards to, you know, how big the deficit is or just eating at maintenance for a week or so. Uh, so yeah, it's very individual dependent. Uh, but yeah, like initially, I guess in reality, it's like you can do a long deficit um, consistently if you've got the weight to lose, but your body will very quickly tell you when you're in a place that you need to eat more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have the combo? And if so, like, how do you have the combo? If someone comes to you and they're not in that position with a lot of weight to lose and we see the people straight away that come in that position and then they're like, yeah, my goal is fat loss. And sometimes you can literally be like, where... Where is this fat loss coming from? Like yeah. those people that come to you and they're, they're really adamant on losing weight. And I feel like if we want to go down that route, it it's often an attachment to a scale number. Like when I was under 60 kilos, they felt way better. And now I'm 61.2 and I want to scream. And so how do you, if someone came to you with a goal of fat loss, do you instantly just work with them on that or do you have a bit more of a discussion of do we really need to pursue fat loss for you like how do you navigate that yeah 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 we definitely have a discussion because we need to understand the motivating factors behind that uh you know i've worked with a client who has that exact mindset of hey i need to lose weight and she's a very she's very lean already uh and i look at the health implications or concerns around her current body weight or current body fat percentage and try to discuss you know the concerns around that uh in some cases people need to speak to a therapist, right? They need to speak to a counselor and uh, on body image and disordered eating and things like that, uh, which is a whole different topic. But um, 
if someone comes to me, they're quite lean already and they want to get leaner, I'll say, okay, what's the short-term goal? Like, what is this unsustainable goal that you're trying to achieve? Like, is it a photo shoot or is it a competition or is it for like summer or for a birthday or something like that? Because if it's not for a specific time frame or goal, it's not a smart approach because what is the actual, uh, like, what are you going to do once you achieve your set body weight? You're not going to maintain that. It's unrealistic. It's not, uh, you know, not, not sustainable. So if their reasoning makes sense to me, sure, we can push for this period of time. If it makes no sense to me at all, then I will sneakily, progressively try to influence them in a positive way to eat more food and change their goal, right? And just be like, oh, like you're getting stronger. Let's eat some more food now and see if we can, you know, increase that strength even more or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes people do want to see a little bit more fat loss. They want to be like a bodybuilder or something like that in their mind. And they realize how hard it is and they shift their goal themselves. Uh, one of my mentors many years ago, he told me to get lean, get shredded um, to start with, just to see what foundation you have in regards to your physique development, how much muscle you actually have, and then build on that. So in some instances, I will do that with some clients where I'm like, okay, let's focus on getting you very lean. Maybe it's 8% body fat for a guy or something like that. Nothing you know, ridiculous. And then say, okay, well, we need to improve your lats, your biceps, your hamstrings, your calves, stuff like that. Let's focus on the growth phase now to develop these areas. The last kind of thing I want to speak to, I feel like we've kind of already covered it, but the main girls I work with and the main girls that listen to me and everything are sort of like similar to myself in terms of like love gym, nutrition and training is a priority. Like they want to be in good shape, but there's no like bodybuilding comps, no real photo shoots, that sort of thing. Just like... Fitzbo girls they just love it what would your advice be like this episode is going to play super early in Jan what would your best approach for a girl like that let's say she's a girl she wants to you know build a good looking physique but enjoy nutrition enjoy training enjoy life if we think about not wanting to spend too much time in a deficit wanting to improve the physique what would just your all-round advice to these sort of girls be my advice would be, besides listening to you, right, and just doing whatever you say, um, my advice would be focus on building improved habits, right? Focus on uh, a lifestyle that you can actually sustain, uh, you know, and focus on all areas of life as well. So you want to have a balanced approach. You want to enjoy the process and you want to do things that make you happy. Like I go to the gym because I love it and I do certain exercises because I enjoy them for the most part. Uh, and there is the, you know, option to adjust training to suit your happiness or your, you know, your enjoyment as well. You don't have to do deadlifts all the time. You know what I mean? Or there's no specific reason why you have to do a certain exercise to achieve a certain outcome. There's so many different variations of movements, right? Just like there's variations of food. So um, having some structure is very important. Um, having purpose is important and knowing what your end goal is. But overall, it's really just a matter of like, uh, you know, enjoying the uh the journey and having purpose behind it uh, if you don't really have purpose for it you're not going to enjoy it you're going to want to skip training you're not going to want to follow the meal plan things like that i think having a greater understanding of nutrition in general can also be super uh, helpful because uh it takes stress off the person like socially they can enjoy meals out stuff like that that's quite important so understanding nutrition better uh is key uh having a training program that suits your goal is key as well and then just learning to love it and being progressive in nature. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like um, I'm doing this because I enjoy it and also because I'm going to achieve this outcome and also because it makes me feel good and also because my sleep is better and also because I'm saving money now because I'm not eating you know, Uber Eats every day or I'm not drinking alcohol every weekend. Uh, there's so many different levels of benefits that we can think about uh, and it can kind of like gear you towards the right direction and um, you know get the outcomes that you want. But you know, to add to that, I would say set realistic goals. Don't expect too much too soon. Uh, be excited about eating fun foods. Be excited about tracking your, your you know, your macros and, uh, you know, eating out, stuff like that. But don't make that the, the sole focus mm-hmm. of, you know, your lifestyle. It's kind of like I, I can enjoy these things. It's not like I have to enjoy these things. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of it. I think Building habits is key. You know this already. Um, That's what you teach your clients as well, I'm sure. And just having structure and consistency and enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, like why are you doing it? Yeah, for sure. I feel like when – I literally just spoke about this in the last one, but when people aren't enjoying it, it's in that mindset of like just got to get through this program, just got to get through this challenge or whatever it might be. 
and we know that there's so many issues that come from that. So I think, like you said, finding structure in things that you enjoy and genuinely, like you said, want to get in there and get after it and get better with it, but coming from a place of like actually wanting to, not I have to go and get this done. 100%. And also trusting the process as well. Yeah. Like and that's, I, that's super I important. I think like you said, um, you touched on it a few times where – like prioritizing everything like health, um, sleep and all those other health markers. I think that's where we see a lot of people go wrong as well because they're just adamant on losing weight or they're just adamant on like got to get to the gym. And then it kind of has that snowball effect where, like you said, you've had clients with really shitty sleep and all of those things and they don't realize the domino effect and the loop that that's kind of getting them into. They're like, oh, I'll forego sleep for these other things, not realizing mm-hmm. how that kind of comes back and fucks the other things that they're trying to work oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to really think about so many different aspects, right? Which is why in my, you know, check-ins with my clients, they have to select these self-assessments, right? On energy, hunger, sleep, bowel movements, stress, performance, libido, all those types of things, you know, caffeine intake, alcohol intake, all of that makes a huge difference to their outcomes. And, you know, sometimes people lose weight, and they're very happy and they want to celebrate it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but your hydration was bad and you drank a lot of alcohol. So I already know you're dehydrated this week. And I know that your scale weight is going to go up next week. And you're going to say, why did my weight go up? You know what I mean? It's like, it's going to balance out. Like even today for myself, I went in the sauna yesterday and I still drank a fair bit of water, but I did a lot of activity yesterday and I woke up 600 grams lighter today. I didn't celebrate fat loss. I was just like, oh shit, I got to train this morning. I need to get hydrated. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So there's different elements and aspects to these things that we have to consider. It's not just, like we said earlier, it's not just the scale weight changing. It's not just your macros. Uh, It's, you know, multifaceted coaching. Uh, And that's what is, you know, super important with the way that we do our jobs. And I think that's what helps uh, both of us to stand out, uh, you know, in a very saturated coaching space. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that just like is a good way to wrap up. And it's literally what I speak about all the time. And I'm sure you do too. But that's where that real education comes from. Because if a person is celebrating weight loss while they're not drinking enough water and getting drunk all the time, we know that that's actually not something to celebrate. And then like you said, they might see that weight loss go away as things balance out and then the emotion comes into it and all of that. When a person has the education and the understanding of what is actually happening, I feel like that is the biggest win there is that we remove that emotion. We're not like really fixated on seeing the scale change and then really like fucking emotional when it doesn't. Like we see those spirals with people and I feel like it just comes from a lack of understanding and a lack of education. They're just clinging to things and hoping for things rather than, okay, I know how to do this. Now I'll carry out these actions. It's a lot more sort of emotion driven. Exactly. I I agree 100%. And I try to take emotion out of it as much as possible uh, with, you know, with the way that I coach people. And uh, that's why it's good to have a coach actually, because it's not emotion based adjustments. It's, you know, based on the data and then based on the, like, you know, your, your, your answers on the weekly check-in forms and stuff like that. You know, I could think to myself, oh, I'm losing weight too fast. I better eat more food now. Yeah, I get to eat more food and it might be the wrong approach, you know, or you just make adjustments that don't make any sense. So that's like, you know, by having the third party there, having someone else to kind of keep you on track and help you to make the right decisions is key, especially somebody that you trust and you know that has been doing it for a long time or has, you know, uh, has great outcomes with other people as well as themselves as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really funny that you say that because I think when people have those emotional responses to their own shit and everyone does it, they almost want like a coach or somebody external to validate them. Like they would love you to reply and be like, yeah, that is shit, you poor thing, whatever. But I always want to remind people like, yes, that would validate you for one second and you might feel great. But then you would literally be like, okay, what happens from here and that is the coach's role and that's why it's so important as a coach to not have that emotion you need to come in with the science and the facts and the education it's not having the emotional response it's making an assessment okay well why did that happen why is this happening and what do we do about it I think people forget that really quickly they're like just just join my pity party and then you're like are you paying (laughs) me for the pity party or are you paying me to assess this and move on and I honestly think that is something you do so well I think I've probably done like three emotional check-ins with you over three years and anytime not many at all you sent such I feel like you have such perfect balance of 
not being so direct in that that you're just an asshole, <laughs> but it it it's you don't beat around the bush. You're very factual. You're very to the point, and. Again, that's that's the reason that a client is there. They're not wanting someone to just faff about. They want to be like, okay, cool, what do we do about this? And I think you honestly do it so well. Anytime I've gotten a response like that from you, I literally store it for future use. I'm like, I honestly <laughs> will ask myself. In, when I was coaching people early, early on in my business, I honestly would think, how would Denver respond to this person? Like, <laughs> I do remember you telling me that actually in a check-in one time. And I, because I think especially as a female coaching females, you have that, that instant or that initial reaction where you're like, oh, I do want to soften this and, and make this easier for this person. And it's actually a disservice in a sense, if you were to just sugarcoat it and like, it's not that bad and it's okay and whatever, that person might feel great on the day, but then you're going to get two months into coaching and be like, we actually haven't gotten anywhere because yeah. you're having a freak out yeah. and I don't have the balls to actually coach you out of that freak out. And that's where people can spin their wheels. So I think you it's true. Really well. It's true. Thank you for that, by the way. But uh, I think like having empathy is quite important mm-hmm. uh, to communicate well and to convince people to make better decisions and kind of feel like you're supporting them along the way. Uh, I tend to try to focus on positives in a check-in before I start to talk about the negatives. Uh, but, you know, I will say, like, sometimes people complete their check-in form, outline all the things they did wrong, and at the bottom of the form say, hey, I don't know why I'm not making progress. Like, what's going on? And it's like you literally just told me and yourself, you know, all the reasons why you're not making progress. Uh, so it's important to highlight, you know, what's what's going wrong. Sometimes some of my clients are like, thanks for keeping it real. Like, I can always trust you and keeping it real and telling me, you know, where I'm doing bad or whatever, what I can improve. I had a client today actually send me a video of his, uh, one of his exercises and the tech, the range of motion could have been better. And he's like, you know what? I didn't even want to send it to you because I knew that already. And now I'm going to do better. Uh, so you have to keep it real. You can't just, you're not paying, you know, you're not like uh, a cheerleader. You yeah. can be for sure, but you're not getting paid for that. You're getting paid for an outcome. Yeah. And I always tell people that look to sign up to coaching, like you're paying this much money for this outcome. So if we don't achieve this outcome, um, you know, from this investment, then I'm not doing my job right or, you know, you're not doing your job right and it looks bad on both of us. And we don't want that. We want actually, you know, you put money down for a certain outcome, you want to achieve that outcome. Uh, you, you can't just buy results, you have to earn them. So I say that actually quite often, like, you know, everything has to be earned in life that's worth having. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, people I think have to realise that. That's so funny, like on, on the final note, but it's so funny how people get that with things like people will save for years to buy a house people will study for five years all of that and then we see people that are literally like um I stuck to my diet for four days nothing's happened yet <laughs> and it's seriously like hey you literally work so hard for so long in so many other areas and people will honestly do that after a few days or a week you know oh like hoping the results will come I'm like give it more than four days <laughs> yeah right a hundred percent and like to wrap it up, I know like we're going over time now and stuff, but uh, you know the, the problem, I had this conversation with someone a few weeks ago, the problem with our industry is that it's too mainstream in the way that people have access to information on social media quite readily, uh, you know, in normal media as well, TV, newspapers, things like that. And everybody has an opinion on things that they have no, no idea about at all, right? Like you're not going to walk around acting like you know things about accounting or law at all because you're not seeing that on tv every day you know there's no quick fixes on how to improve your accounting skills or something like that whereas everybody i meet they're like oh i do this you know i'm gluten-free or i'm i skip sugar i do these certain things because i'm like why i don't know i just heard about it on tv and it's like it sucks for us because there's just too many people think that they're uh qualified uh, based on something they saw on TikTok and they feel like they, they have no understanding of why they're deciding these things. But that's the annoying thing because we have to, you know, people have to unlearn and we have to like reframe things so they better understand that we've got their best interests, uh, you know, at heart and we want to get the best outcomes for them and take them away from these limited thinking, um, you know, scenarios that they're in because everyone's an expert in nutrition. Everybody's an expert in training and, you know, this is the secret to get this or that. And it just blows my mind that people who have zero education, zero understanding, zero experience, uh, have these beliefs straight away just because someone said that on the internet. Right. It's true. Yeah. I've spoken about that in like every one of these episodes. And the funny thing is those people are 
usually so adamant on their ways. Like you said, people that skip sugar or whatever are so like heels are dug in. Sugar's bad, sugar's bad, sugar's bad. And usually, like you said, if you ask them actually why, they couldn't really converse with you on it. And usually they're not actually getting the result they want to show for it. And they're the people that are out here telling everybody, if you want to do this, if you want to achieve this, quit sugar. And everyone's Mm -hmm. taking it on board. And it's like there's a big disconnect here because no one's actually getting anywhere with this information. Exactly, exactly. So I've had to learn how to not coach everybody, right? I coach my clients and I just listen to other people. Because otherwise, it's just ridiculous. You know, someone was telling me the other day that they've been doing detoxes and all this type of stuff. And I'm just like listening to them like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, whatever. Awesome. And, you know, an hour or two later, I'm just like, so you know that your body can detox, right? Like, you know, what your liver does and stuff, right? You know that your body does that. And they're like, huh? What? (laughs) You know what I mean? And, yeah, it just sucks because everything... Generally, most things that people are doing, it's because they've seen it on social media and that person suggesting these things are just trying to make money at the end of the day and not really raising awareness or nutritional education. Uh, you know, it's, that's, that's the annoying thing is that people get fixated on li- like eating a certain way or avoiding certain things and it's mostly from someone that they follow who's just trying to make money from them in one way or another. Yeah, for sure. I see that quite often. Like oh, look sure. at the liver king, right? Anyways, that's another topic. (laughs) For sure. So um, do you want to tell everybody like where they can find you? Uh, Yeah, so I've got a website uh, or you can find me on Instagram. Just type in my name. uh, You'll find me pretty quickly. Uh, That's pretty – Instagram is the best, I'd say. I used to have denverstain.com. It's still on there, but physiqueformation.com.au is what I tend to use mostly uh, these days with my website to access me. I've been around for a long time, so I think you could just sounds weird or lame, but just Google my name Google and you might see some articles or some podcasts or, you know, some old things on YouTube even. Uh, yeah, you can access me via Instagram. That's probably the best way. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you're super active on there, so people would be able to get after it straight away. Love it. Um, thank you so much. Super appreciative. Thanks for having me. It's been great. 